Hey friends, welcome to the City Hope Podcast. My name is Bobby Thompson and I have the privilege of serving as a lead pastor. I pray that today's message would inspire you, it would encourage you, and it would also challenge you in your walk with Christ. Enjoy today's sermon. So well, you know... The worship team gets a lot of spotlight and old Ben over here, he doesn't get a lot of love. So can we just thank Ben? <laughs> uh, well, welcome to City Hope. I, I, I'm so honored that you decided to be here with us today. I see a lot of new faces, a lot of people I don't know. So my name's Bobby. I would love the opportunity to meet you. I hope you leave here today encouraged and challenged uh, uh, from the Lord. And, you know, part of being encouraged is the people that are around you, right? And so right now, does everybody like who you're sitting next to? Everybody, everybody, anybody need to change space? I got a couple seats up here, all right? One of these days, somebody's really going to get up and move and it's going to be awkward. <clears throat> but, you know, I, I was thinking this week and, and we just celebrated our one year anniversary. And as a new church plant, we get to do a lot. We get to develop a lot. We make things how we want to make them. Right. And one of the things that I've noticed is we're a pretty quiet church. Right. We're pretty subdued on Sundays. We don't really get too crazy. And uh, I want y'all to have some energy, right? So if we were sitting at your house watching football, we would be screaming at the TV together, right? My kids always come in like, Dad, who are you talking to? And I'm like, the referee, right? Like, and, and so listen, the Bible says that there's joy in the morning, right? So how many of you have some joy today? Anybody got some joy? All right. Ugh, good night. We got to work on this, all right? We got to have some joy. I, I think church should be enjoyed, not endured. OK, so uh, we're going to have a good morning today. God's already uh, showed up in the first service and just doing some incredible things. And today we're in the last sermon of this four week series we've been doing called Roots. And we've been looking at the different spiritual foundations that we need to make sure we have in our lives, that we need to build our lives on these four foundations. And real quick, just want to give you a quick review. Week one, we talked about real relationships. We all need people. We want people to, to love us. We want people to care about us. But we need people to tell us the truth, even when we don't want to hear it, right? We need people that will love us and be honest and, and have people. And one of the best ways that, that we feel like you can do that is through small groups. And I've been talking to so many people this week, and I know that there's a lot of you here even today. You want to be connected in a small group, and we will try our best to get you connected. After the service, stop by, talk to Brett, tell him the season of life you're in, tell him what you need, and we will do our best to find, help you find your people. And so Real Relationships was week one. Number two is healthy, God-centered families. Healthy, God-centered families. The family is the most important institution in the world. And the enemy wants to destroy families, right? He's, he's attacking marriages. He's attacking children at, at an alarming rate. And we need to have healthy, God-centered families. And I know that your filter, as you look through and you think family, for many of us, it's different, right? You may be single. You may be married. You may be uh, single with kids. No, grandparents, all of us have different filters. But your family matters to God. It's not about being in a perfect and flawless family. It's about being a faithful family. And so week three, last week, we talked about powerful prayer. We need to have a foundation of powerful prayer. Our private prayer life is essential to being a healthy believer. And, and just as the enemy wants to destroy families, we, we connect with God, the power of God through prayer. We must have this root of powerful prayer. Prayer. So today we're going to look at this last route that, that I want to encourage all of us to, to seek the Lord and have in our lives. And this week we're talking about impactful service. 
impactful service. Now, for some of you, I get it. When you hear the word service, you think, oh, he's going to ask me to volunteer in the kids ministry, right? Like that's your first, but I got to volunteer for something. Now, listen, that's fantastic, right? We need to do that. I want to encourage you volunteering the kids, all right? But that's not what I'm talking about today. Okay, Uh, uh, maybe you think, well, I got to go clean up somebody's yard. I got to go do a service project. I got to do something when I when when I hear impactful service in the church. Now, listen, those things are amazing. As a matter of fact, Billy and Angie are going to be at the table. and We're going to do something with Habitat with Habitat for Humanity coming up in the next couple weeks. And I want you to sign up for that. But that's not what we're talking about today. You see, God has given us marching orders. If you are a follower of Christ, listen to me. If you're a Christian, you're one who says, I follow Jesus. He's given you marching orders to live a life of impactful service. He tells us in Mark 16, go into the world. He tells us in Matthew 22, love people. He tells us in 1 Peter 4, serve others. He tells us in Matthew 5, be salt and light to the world. God already gives us our job description as a follower of Jesus. I think we can all sum it up. If Jesus was here and he could sum all those things up, he says it's not just a service project, it's a lifestyle. It's not just you doing this one good deed or or yes, volunteering at church on one weekend a month. That's not a life of impactful service. That's great, that's great. But I want it to be your lifestyle. I want it to flow into every part of your life. We have an important role as Christians in this world. We have an important responsibility to live these things out. And, and these things that, that, that God mentions to us, it's, it's kind of our job description, right? It's not just something we do on Sundays. It's not just something we do when, when we're feeling a little guilty. If this is the, what, what he makes it very, very clear. Here's what you should be doing with your life. If you claim me, here's what you should be doing. I was reminded, how many of you guys remember the old mail delivery system called Pony Express? Anybody ever heard of that? Some of y'all heard of that. This was the way they delivered mail back in the 1800s. It was, the, it was horseback riders. They would usually ride 75 to 100 miles a day. And um, the, the riders, they couldn't carry very much stuff because the Indians would always try to intercept them and kill them, right? And so one year, uh, uh, Pony Express took out an ad in the newspaper looking for more people uh, to be on their team. And this is what it said, wanted young, skinny, wiry fellows, not over 18, must be experienced riders, willing to risk daily, orphans preferred. <laughs> orphans prefer there's no reading that going what are they looking for right (laughs) like we know what they're looking for and I think I think that's what God's trying to tell us in the Bible there's no reading the Bible and going what does God want me to do he wants you to live a life of impactful service he wants your everyday life to go into the world to love people to serve to be salt and light and commands that he gives us it's very simply laid out in God's word But not only does he give us this, this, you know, game plan, this job description, if you will, but he also gives us insight on people who are going to do that work, right? Very familiar passage of scripture. Most of you know this, Luke chapter 10. And he told them the harvest is abundant. There's a lot of work to be done, but the workers are few. I've given you the list. Here's your job description. And man, the world needs that desperately, Christian, but very few people are going to do it. Very few people are going to live up to the job description that I give. Don't you think, think about this for a minute. 
The people in our world, you can go Google and look at stats. The people in our world who claim to be Christ followers. Don't you think if every one of us acted the way that God told us to act, that our world would be a little different than it is today? I mean, I do. The people who claim Christianity, the people who claim, well, I go to church. If we did the job description that God gives us, our world would be so different. But here's the reality, okay? We, we, we can't, we're not responsible for everybody, right? You can't make your neighbors love Jesus, but you, you and your family can. You, you can't make your coworkers who, who claim Christ, you can't make them obey all of God's commands, but you can. One author said it like this, a great tragedy of Christianity is to know the word of God and not live it out. To know the word of God and not live it out. I would say that the majority of churches across America today are full of people who know the word of God. The question is, are we living it out? Are we living it out? You see, I think what God is really trying to say when he gives us our job description, he's like, man, this, is, this lifestyle is different. This lifestyle isn't like everybody else. This lifestyle is set apart. If you're going to impact people around you, then you have to be a little different than people around you. If you're gonna uh, serve others, then, then your lifestyle is not gonna look like the world's lifestyle. So today I want to look at an incredible story of, of a man who, who obeyed God, who, who had bold uh, uh, courage to live the way that God's called him to. And so if you have your Bible, let's look at uh, 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings chapter number 17. We're going to go to the Old Testament today. And we're going to see what the impact is when someone is willing to live out the calling that God gives them. Now, I know that not everyone in here knows a, 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 a ton about the Bible. We're not all Bible scholars. Like, and so let me give you a little background of what's going on here, okay? First Kings chapter 17, we're introduced to a guy named Elijah. Elijah is a man of God. He's a prophet. That means God would speak to him and he would tell people what was coming. He, he was a, a, a great, strong man of God. And we're introduced to Elijah here in First Kings chapter 17. He's having a conversation with a guy named Ahab. Ahab is the most most evil, worst king in the history of kings. And so great godly man having a conversation with an evil king when we pick up in first Kings and he tells him, Elijah comes to him and he's like, Hey King, there's getting ready to be a really big drought in this land. It's not going to rain. And not only is it not going to rain, but it's not going to rain until I tell it to rain. <laughs> okay. So that's what he tells Ahab. So obviously the most evil king in the world, he's probably not real happy with what Elijah's telling him, right? And so he's, he's like, well, wait a minute, what? You're going to cause a drought? Elijah's like, yeah, it's not going to stop until I say so. And then God, you know, kind of in his wisdom tells Elijah, dude, you need to go hide. All right, let's get out of here. Let's go hide because Ahab's going to come after you. So uh, uh, Elijah goes and hides. And while he's hiding, God kind of gives him this mission. He's like, listen, Elijah, I know you're hiding from Ahab and, and we're going to deal with him later. But right now, while you're hiding, I have I have something that I want you to do. There's this widow. There's this widow over in this town. And, and man, the drought has hit her hard. She's struggling. She needs some help. And Elijah, I want you to go find this widow and I want you to talk to her. I want you to go impact her life. I want you to go serve her. So Elijah does. 
Elijah leaves hiding and he goes and he meets this widow and he shows up. And then the first thing he sees, he says, when he sees her, he says, hey, widow, bring me some bread and water. Now, in the middle of a drought, that's a pretty hot commodity, right? <laughs> that's something that she's probably like, what? Like, who are you? And she, he shows up and he's like, I need you to bring me some bread and some water. So we pick this up in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse Number 12, after Elijah asks her for some bread and some water, verse 12 says this, but she said, as the Lord your God lives, I don't have anything baked, only a handful of flour in the jar and a bit of oil in the jug. Just now I am gathering a couple sticks in order to go prepare it for myself and my son so that we can eat it and die. I I, I read that, man, and I got to stop there. I mean, this woman is in a desperate state of life. She's in a season of my only choice is to fix what we have left. And then my son and I, we're just going to die. And I I just wonder how many of you here today, you're looking at your situation and it looks like an impossible situation. It's an impossible thing that's going to happen. And I really, really, really don't see how it can work. And the only way that you can see through your situation, you're at this point, you're like, God, you got to do something because I can't. Maybe that's you today. Maybe that's where you find yourself in your, in your life right now. And I want you just for these next few moments, just allow the Lord, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you and watch what he does through these different people's lives and know and know and know and trust that he can do the same for you. So she's in this desperate season. We're just going to eat it and die. Elijah, we don't have anything to give you. Verse 13, then Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go and do as I've said. (laughs) But first make me a small loaf and bring it out to me. (laughs) He's stuck in with the bread, right? And he's hungry. Afterward, you can make some for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord God of Israel says. Listen to this. The flour jar will not become empty. The oil jug will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the surface of the land. So she proceeded to do according to the word of Elijah. Then the woman, Elijah, and her household ate for many days. The flour jar did not become empty. The oil jug did not run dry according to the word of the Lord had. He had spoken through Elijah. Elijah, in the face of none of this makes sense. Right? Elijah stands there and, and none of this makes sense. But God, here I am. I'm hiding from the king. You're telling me to go to talk to this widow. You're telling me that her flour and her oil is not going to run out. None of this really makes sense, God. But I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to do what you told me to do. And look at the impact his obedience had on the woman and her son. The Bible says they had their, their fill. They ate for days and, and, and nothing left them until Jesus brought rain. I want you to hear me today, church. Boldness and obedience is what makes an impact. Boldness and obedience is what makes an impact. As a follower of Christ, if you're here today and you raise your hand, you say, yeah, I'm on team Jesus. Do you live with the confidence that God will do what he says he's going to do? Maybe you're in this same season as the widow and all we're going to do is we're going to fix this and then we're going to die. Maybe you're in that season of I just don't understand. But do you live with the confidence that Elijah has? God, I don't see it. It doesn't make sense, but you're going to do what you say you're going to do. Do I live with that kind of confidence? Elijah did and it changed this family's life forever. 
It changed this widow and her son's life forever. Let's keep going in Elijah's obedience. So he gets them their fill of bread and drink. And then something bad happens. The widow's son dies. And Elijah's there and and the widow is like, what in the world is going on? And so he ends up healing the widow. And that obviously makes an impact on the lady. And she's just like, man, you are who you say you are. Thank you for living your life. Thank you for being obedient, man. Praise God. And so, so this kind of task that God had, remember, started out with this conversation with Ahab and then he's hiding. Now he's with the widow and man, God showed up and did some amazing things in the widow and the son and Elijah. And then God says, all right, now it's time to move on from the widow and I need you to go back and let's talk to Ahab again. Let's go back to the king. We're going to, we're going to go face this. Now we're going to go do it. So Elijah obeys, he goes and he meets the king face to face. And the Bible said it had been three years of drought. Three years of no rain. And he goes back and he stands before Ahab. And look at verse 16 in, in, in chapter 18. Ahab says, Ahab went to meet Elijah. When Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, is that you, the one who's ruining Israel? <laughs> so immediately the enemy begins pointing fingers. The king was blaming Elijah. Hey, I remember you three years ago, you told me it wasn't going to rain. You're ruining Israel. You're ruining everything. Why won't you make it rain? I think we read something like this and we got we to gotta see it for what it is. Not everyone is going to understand the lifestyle that you decide to live. As a follower of Christ, not everyone is going to agree with the lifestyle that you live. Not everyone is going to go, man, I'm proud of you. Not everyone is going to say, yeah, that's the right way to live your life. Not everyone in your family is going to get why you go to church every Sunday. Not everyone in your life at your workplace is going to understand why you don't drink or why you don't cuss like they do. Elijah was this brilliant man of God and Ahab standing in front of him. He's like, man, this is all your fault. And that's what the enemy does, right? He distracts you, he tries to discourage you, he tries to make you feel like you're not good enough. I think... Remember that verse we read at the beginning in Luke where God said, there's a lot of work to be done. Jesus said the, the, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. I think this is one of the reasons why, because it's not popular to live for Jesus in our world today, right? It's kind of countercultural. It's not, the, it's not the, the, the hip thing to do, right? It's so much easier to blend in than to stand out. And so, so the, the, the harvest is plentiful. There's a lot to do, but there's not very many people who will do it. And I think this is one of the biggest reasons why. I don't want our family to look different. It's so much easier just to blend in and do what everybody else is doing and live like everybody else. It's hard to stand out. And, and this is why we have to understand the truth of what God gives us. Being obedient is often going to be contradictory to the world. So Ahab is blaming Elijah. He's like, Elijah, this is all your fault. But here's what I love about Elijah. Elijah knows the truth. Elijah knows the truth. He knows that, 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 that this isn't uh, 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 his fault. He knows that this is something that him and God did. And, and in our lives, this is what we have to understand. This has to be our confidence. You've got to trust the truth. You got to trust the truth of God. If you are a believer, if you're a believer, then you got to trust the truth more than your feelings. 
You got to trust the truth more than what you see on the news. You got to trust the truth more than you hear from people in your life. You got to trust the truth. If you want to live a life of impactful service, you want this to be a root in your life, then it starts with knowing the word of God and trusting in it for everything. Elijah could have showed up to this widow's house and be like, man, I don't don't know how this is going to work. You don't have anything. I guess we should just, man, I'll pray for you. I'll see you later. But he trusted that God was going to do what he said he was going to do. He trusted the truth. So let's keep going. Uh, Ahab's blaming Elijah. Elijah's like, no, man, this isn't on me. This drought, this is all your fault. This is, as a matter of fact, I'm going to prove it to you, Ahab. And so here's here's what Elijah does. He says, here's what I want you to do, Ahab. Call all your people, all your prophets, all your people, all your team over here. And I'm going to get my team over here and we're going to have a little cook off. All right, we're going to do something and I'm going to prove to you that, that, that what you're doing is fake and what I'm doing is real. All right. And so in, in verse number 20, chapter 18. So Ahab summoned all the Israelites and gathered the prophets at Mount Carmel. Then Elijah approached all the people and he said, listen to these two questions, man, circle this, highlight this, underline this. How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. And if Baal, follow him. But the people didn't answer him a word. Think about this situation. Think about this setting. Here's Elijah, bold, bold man of God. Here's Ahab, the worst evil king. He brings all these people and Elijah stands up in front of everybody. And he says, who are you going to choose to follow? Either you're on God's team or you're on the enemy's team. You got to make a choice today. Figure it out. You can't live in both worlds. Stop trying to walk the line. Stop trying to be both sides of this thing. Either go God's way or go the other way. Make the choice. Now listen to me, church. I love you. I love you and I want to speak truth today into your heart. I think this is a question that the church has to answer today. You got to make up your mind. Who are you going to follow? Who are you going to serve? Let's just say for, for illustration's sake, everybody on this side of the room, man, y'all are the enemy, all right? Y'all are the devil, all right? It's just, uh, go home and say, the pastor called me the devil today, okay? All right? You guys are God's team, all right? You guys are team Jesus, man, you're rocking it, you love it, okay? Now, listen to me. This is where I believe so many Christians are living, right here in the aisle. I got the evil over here and I got God over here. I, 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 sometimes I drift over here. When it comes to, when it comes to uh, Sunday morning, I start drifting this way. When it comes to uh, 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 my relationship with my spouse, man, me, man, I'm over here a little bit. When it comes to my finances, man, I try to be, I try to be above reproach. I try to do good. But when it comes to um, 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 what I watch on TV when no one's looking, I probably drift over this way. You see, you see what Elijah's trying to get at here? He's like, Stop. And this is what he says. He says, stop wavering. An- another version of the Bible says, stop limping. How many Christians, man, we're just limping through life. We're just limping through. And, and God, I want to serve you, but man, I- and I will in these areas, but ah, I still got this. And Elijah's like, no more. Choose who you're going to serve. Stop walking in the middle. Make a decision. It's time for you to either follow God or not. Listen to me, City Hope Church. I love you, but let's make a decision. Are you going to follow God and be all in or or you're not? 
okay, God, I'm going to give you my speech. I'm going to, the words, I'm going to give you everything that I have and I'm going to do my best and, and God, I'm all in. Or are you going to keep wavering, Elijah says. How long are you going to waver? It's your choice. And that's what I love about God. That's what I love about Jesus. He says, man, I love you so much and I want you on my team, but I'm going to let you choose to be on my team or not. It's totally up to you. You can't keep living in both worlds. I love Elijah's boldness. And I want you to understand something today. Maybe you're here this morning and I've been talking about, you know, being a Christian and, and, and the job description of being a Christian. But maybe the reality is, and I don't, I don't know who, who I was in the crowd here when Elijah said this, but maybe you're sitting here today and you've never made any decision to follow Christ. You've never truly made the decision to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and say, here I am, Lord, I surrender. I give you my all. You died for me. You, you, you were risen for me. And here I am, Lord. That's called salvation. The decision to give your heart fully to Jesus. And salvation brings us restoration with God. And maybe today that's your choice. Elijah stands there and he says, make the decision. And I'm standing here before you today and it's time for you to make the choice. Are you going to live for Jesus or not? How long will you go on limping? How long are you going to limp? How long are you just going to get by? How long are you just going to be average? How long is your walk going to be this, this roller coaster with Jesus? How long? See, the reality is we know the game plan. He, he gives us the standard. He gives us the instructions. Well, I just don't know how to, how to live for God. It's right here. It's really, really easy. He says, you're the light of the world right now. Not when you get it all figured out. You're the, if you're a Christian, you're the light of the world right now. That's the standard. That's the decision. When you want to follow Christ, you become salt and light. Some of you, 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 you know, you could, you could memorize, you could quote the, 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 the Great Commission, right? Go into all the world, what? Teach, baptize, preach. And, and God tells us and disciple. The Great Commission is not a suggestion. It's a standard. It's not something that, oh, I might, I might get to that. I might get to that. No, 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 no. Impactful service, this, this root of an impactful, it's a lifestyle. It's like, God, I'm going to hold to the standard that you give me. And then we keep going. Let's keep going. Oh, goodness, I got to hurry. All right. <laughs> Elijah, he, he, he's standing before all these people, and he, he starts out with this bold question. He gives them this challenge, right? How long are you going to limp? How long are you going to waver? We're going to have a cook-off. And this is what he tells them. He's like, all right, you guys go get a bull, and we're going to get a bull, and we're going to put it on these fires, right? We're going to put it on these uh, 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 altars, if you will. And, and here's what we're going to do. You call on your God, and if he can make a fire out of nothing, then we'll know he's the real God. And then I'll call on my God, and whoever makes the fire, that way we'll know, Right? And so the, the story goes on and, and, you know, obviously the, the, those that are praying to Baal, the Bible says they start cutting themselves, they start chanting all this weird stuff and putting blood everywhere. Nothing ever happens, right? No, no fire ever comes. And I love Elijah. He kind of, he kind of like makes fun of him. He's like, oh, your God must be asleep. You know, like maybe you should talk louder. And so he's just like, he's just like harassing him, right? Nothing happens. And so then he goes and he's like, all right, everybody come here. Look what he says in verse 30. And, and, and listen, we're almost done. I promise you, this is, this is one of the most important parts of this story. 
Elijah said to all the people in verse 30, come, come on over here. We, we've seen enough of that. Come on over here. So all the people approached him. Then he repaired the Lord's altar that had been torn down. Elijah took 12 stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the, the Lord had come saying, Israel be your name. So the 12 tribes of Israel, he's kind of giving them a little salute. He's honoring them a little bit. He built an altar with the stones in the name of the Lord. Then he made a trench around the altar, large enough to hold about four gallons. Verse 33, next, he arranged the wood, he cut up the bull and placed it on the wood. He said, fill four water pots with water and pour it on the offering to be burnt and on the wood. What are you doing? Like, like we, just, we just renovated our house and we got a, a, a wood burning fireplace and man, I, I just wanna have a fire so much and, and I can't get it to light. If somebody knows how to do it, come help me, okay? I was watching a show last night. It was torrential downpour and they had the best fire in the middle of the rain. And I'm like, why can't I get one in my house? Anyways, Elijah's pouring water on the wood. He's pouring it on the bull. And I'm like, what? What are you doing, man? He said, fill four water pots of water and pour it on the offering to be burned in the wood. Then he said, do it again, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And then he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. So the water ran all around the altar, even, even filled the trench with water. What is going on? And if you, if you think about just this, this, this brief time that we've known Elijah, God keeps showing up, right? God keeps showing up in his life and he tells him, go hide from that, go hide from the king and I'll take you. And if you read it, it's, it's, a, it's an amazing story. God uses the ravens to feed Elijah while he's hiding, right? God shows up in Elijah's story with the widow and he makes the, 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 the flour and the oil and he, God shows up with the son and he raises the son from him. God just keeps showing up in Elijah's life. But, but here's the question that I started thinking about when I read this. This is the part I want you to see. Where did all that water come from? They've been in a drought for three years. How did we get enough water to do this? Not once, not twice, but three times. There's been no rain for three years. And then it hit me and God spoke to my heart and he said, it's the people's water. The people of God who had been storing up their water. The people of God who'd been saving it because they knew the drought was coming. The water came from the people. Think about that. They gave all they had. It came from the people who had been storing it up and saving it. They were willing to sacrifice their water to see a move of God. They were willing to sacrifice their water to see a move of God. And here's the question I want you to go home with today. Here's what I want you to remember this week. As you pray, as you lay your head down on your pillow at night, are you giving God all of your water? Am I giving God everything I got? Some of us, some of us, we're still right here. We're just walking this Christian life, limping, wavering. And God says, I want all your water. I want all your water. You want to make an impact in this world? You want to make a difference in this world? Give me all your water. Give me everything you got. Give me, give me your marriage. Give me your speech. Give me, give, give me what you watch. Give me who you hang out with. Give me what you drink. Give me what you put into your body. Give me all of it. 
Give me all those relationships, all those work, all the, give me all of your water. And I want you to see this. Living a life for Jesus requires sacrifice. Living a life for God, being all in on team God, it requires a sacrifice from you. But sacrifice is what makes an impact. Sacrifice is what makes an impact. Look what happens at the end of this story. And I'm done. Brad, come on up. I'll shut up. Okay. God showed up. All the people gave their water. God showed up. The fire came. It, 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 it obviously it wowed everybody. And look what the Bible says in verse 39. When all the people saw it, they fell face down and said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Everybody, everybody's life that was here was impacted by Jesus. Everybody's life, listen to me, Elijah's sacrifice, Elijah's obedience and the people's sacrifice to give all their water, it made the people around them experience God in a way that they had never seen. Don't lose that. Elijah's obedience and the people's sacrifice helped other people experience God in a way that that would impact their lives forever. Let me encourage you to go read some more about Elijah. He's a phenomenal man. Great story. As I always do at the end of our sermon time, I want to give you an opportunity to respond. I want to give you some questions to chew on this week. Because all of us are in different seasons of life, right? Some of you, man, maybe you feel like Elijah and God's using you. You're making an impact. And let me encourage you, keep being obedient. Come on, keep being obedient. Maybe some of you today, you're sitting here like the widow and, and life just seems like, man, I'm just gonna take this last drink. I'm gonna take this last and, and I don't know what's gonna happen. God, you need to show up. Maybe God's calling you today to, to, to give up all your water, take some, make some sacrifices. But I wanna ask you just a couple questions. Number one, are you ready to give your life to Jesus? If you've never made that decision, Elijah says, man, you got to choose. Choose, you're going to serve God, you're going to serve the world. Are you going to serve God, are you going to serve man? Let me encourage you today, if you've never given your life to Jesus, do it today. He loves you, he cares for you, he's for you, he wants you. Here in just a minute, as we stand and sing, there'll be some people in the back. I'll be up here in the front. Just talk to one of our team and say, hey, I need to give my life to Jesus. That's the most important decision you'll ever make. Just like Elijah said, stop limping. Stop wavering. If God's calling you, man, let's just make that decision. Let's make it today. Maybe you're here today and you know Jesus is Lord of your life. You've taken that step, but the reality is you're in the middle. You're walking with a limp, you're wavering, and some things in your life are for for God, but then there's some things that aren't. And maybe God's telling you, it's time to stop limping. Give me all of it. Give me all of it. It's time. Repent, turn from them, and give me everything you got. Maybe that's what God's calling you to do today. Are you walking with a limp? And the last last question I want to share with you, I want you to think through, I want you to pray through, I want you to respond to, is have you given God all your water? Have you given him all of your water? This is a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice. 
but obedience and boldness. That's what makes an impact in our world today. And maybe you would be so bold today. Maybe God's calling you. He's tugging on your heart. The Holy Spirit's stirring in you. It's time to give up all your water. Stop hanging on to the baggage. Give it to me. We want to get this root of impactful service. It's not a, it's not a service project. It's not a one hour spending time with students on Sunday night. Those things are phenomenal. We need those. But this is a lifestyle. This is a lifestyle. Father, I love you. So thankful for who you are. Thankful for your word. Thankful for men like Elijah that we can look at that challenge us. Lord, I thank you for their boldness that we can look at and and just be real and be honest. And I pray today that's what we would be. We would be real. We would be honest about where we're at in our life with you. And I pray for those in the room that are walking along their Christian journey and they're limping along. There's difficulty. Lord, I pray that today we would give up our water. There's some in here that you've been calling them to something and they're holding back for whatever reason. I pray that today they would give that sacrifice to you. They'd be obedient to you. Lord, if there's some here that do not know you, they've never taken that first step. Lord, I pray that Elijah's challenge would be their challenge. Make a decision today. Who are you gonna serve? If you're gonna serve God, then let's go. If you're gonna serve the world, then get out of here. Lord, I pray that today that you would give courage You would give boldness that all of us would choose to serve you. We love you, we praise you, and we thank you. It's in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. We're going to sing out whatever response God is calling, is God is tugging on your heart. Take that step today. Go to the back to talk to one of our team. I'll be up here, but take that step today. Let's sing out together. Thanks again for tuning in with us today. We would love to connect with you, and the best way to do that is through social media or go straight to our website. God bless you, and have a wonderful day.